Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Amanda Solar, host and creator of the podcast and SoulfulLiving.com. This is the place people will connect you to their stories, their journeys, and how they've found meaning in their lives. Join us. Let's connect. Connection. In this episode of Soulful Connections, you are about to meet Trina Stutzman, an author, speaker, career, and well-being specialist. Trina is the author of 12 Steps to Overcome People-Pleasing. In the book, Trina shares her journey toward liberation from the tyranny of being at the mercy of other people's happiness or their perceived happiness. In any case, during our discussion, I mentioned that I hadn't yet read the book. Well, I want to assure you that since we recorded the interview, I have indeed read Trina's book. It's a thought-provoking look at why we live in a way that's designed to make others happy, even at the expense of our own happiness. It's part memoir, part workbook. I'm glad I read it. And I would encourage you to pick it up and maybe take a weekend to explore what Trina refers to as the Freedom Toolkit. Happy listening. I'm here with Trina Stutzman, author of 12 Steps to Overcome People-Pleasing. And also you work with women in career transition. And yes. you're a life coach. Yes. All of those things. All those correct? things. <laughs> All those fun things. <laughs> and probably a host of other things. So anyway, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you, Amanda. Well, I just want to jump right in and say congratulations on writing a book. If I had a nickel for everybody I talk to who wants to write a book, or thinks about writing a book, I would be much richer than I am. And I think the fact that you did this is incredible. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And can I ask like, what drove you to do it? Mm. Because writing a book is not easy process. Yeah. Somebody over the weekend asked me, you know, how long did it take you to write the book? And I feel like I've been writing this book, uh, particularly as a recovering people pleaser for most of my life. So I say about 20 years. It was uh, in 2000 uh, that I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer, which is in the throat. And my book is really about uh, recovering our voices because I believe people pleasing has a lot to do with finding our voice or uncovering our voice through the layers of life. And so when I was diagnosed, that was my wake up call, as many people are when we have a health scare. So I'm an avid journaler and I've been writing in these journals and, you know, going to therapy and having coaches and all that good hard work that I've done to get where I am. And and I started to to realize that I have something to offer. I've read a lot of books about people pleasing. They come from a very scholarly, you know, um, 
the one uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman wrote a book about people pleasing, but it wasn't his story. So I really wanted to write a book that I was, I could relate to, that was relatable, that was firsthand experience of somebody who's, who's on the journey and is doing the journey and has done the journey. So um, that's, that's my story. And um, the 12 steps are, are kind of uh, a play on the recovery movement. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of, and those steps are my steps, kind of the process that I feel like I have gone through uh, to, to get to this point to find peace. Um, the subtitle is one woman's journey of awakening to find peace and uh, using practical tools to become your true self. So wanted to be practical, wanted it to be, it's kind of magazine style as my publisher said, let's write a book magazine style. And that's really uh, appealed to me as well as because I know that we don't always have a lot of time to read and it can be a quick, easy pick up and just jump right in if you need a little encouragement. Okay, you just brought up a couple of um, questions to me. <laughs> that was a long answer to us. <laughs> no, that's a great that's a great answer actually. But a couple of things. Number one, your publisher. How did you connect with your publisher? It's interesting. Uh, there was a small group, an organization in my hometown that was called Sisters U, and there was a group of us that got together. I think four or five years ago. I want to say four. And we started to get together just to have space to write and to create our stories some ways there were some people that were doing photo collages or art and I was doing some writing and looking through journals and thinking about writing this book and one of the women came and one of the very first times she came she came in and sat down and she's like I want to write a book and she started that night she has an incredible journey um, fast forward a couple years later she uh, came out with her book and I sat down with her and I was like I'm so jealous she was holding her book it was like her baby you know and I was like your baby's adorable I love it and I, and I want to have one yes <laughs> so she connected me with her publisher uh, she's a, a local publisher in, in Hellertown and um yeah. So that was, I, it was kind of like, awful. I always tell clients, I'm like, let jealousy be your map. So I was jealous oh, of her I and it like was kind of like, that's something I want to do. So, and then, oh my gosh, go I love process. that. Yeah. So let jealousy be your map instead map. of just kind of sit, sitting with it and letting it simmer and right. use it to propel Inspire you. To you. Yeah. Right. And um, so she was a great resource. She, you know, told me the do's and don'ts through her process. She was a year ahead of me. She published two years ago. I published a year ago. So she was, and again, if there's anybody out there that, that has, you know, wants to do it, I would be happy to connect them with, with my publisher as well. So, yeah, that's really great. Um, and then a question popped into my head. Why do we care to stop people pleasing? Why is it why can't we just go through life being a people pleaser? Well, I feel I, from uh, personally and what I've seen with other people, we, you know, it's a worthy endeavor to kind of commit to serving and, you know, behaving well and suffering well and all that. But we get to a point where I think we're stretched really thin. We've put our health on the back burner. We're depleted. And, and, we, we, in some ways we suffer and there's a cost to that for a true people pleaser we can become a resentful. And so it's kind of like a, a I, I say people pleasing is prioritizing other people's approval mm. over our own needs and feelings. And so it's kind of 
recalibrating our priorities and saying, you are as valuable as I am. Yeah. We both share the same value. And somehow I have put you, you know, higher or value your life and your approval, your feelings more than we value ourselves. So I always say it's never selfish. I teach people how to have a soul mm. and a self, but it's really yeah. bringing things back into balance. And I think that we're meant to value ourselves and prioritize ourselves as much as we do others. Um, yes. I'm not teaching people not to, to, to love and care and support. It's, it's not this stuck up kind of love. It's just saying, I, I am, I value me as well. And how can we coexist together, valuing each yes. other? Yeah, that's a really, really good point. It's about so much is about balance and we do have a challenge. I think when it comes to really loving and serving ourselves. And I wonder, you know, where that starts. I mean, have you kind of explored why you're a people pleaser and the roots of that? Well, I, I don't want to blame it on my tight, tight religious community, but I think there's like this one size fits all mold and we go along to get along and you know, we somehow want to belong and we want to be loved. And for some of us, you know, I had a distorted view even of, of God and thinking that I had to earn my stripes for God and I had to earn mm. my place and my family and my, and so people pleasing is that bargain for love. Oh yeah. If I keep you happy, then you'll love me. Yes. And when I realized that you know, I don't have to earn that love. I am, I am valid and, and honorable and just as I am without thinking I need to give. And so my mission is really to help people give and love freely without that manipulation. Cause it's really comes down to, I was, you know, manipulating and I was lying. <laughs> you know, the biggest wake up call was oh, when yeah. somebody was like, people pleasers are liars. And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, you say yes when you mean no, and you say no when you say you mean yes. And, you know, we don't really know, you know, you're this chameleon always adapting and changing. We don't know you. And so, you know, I, I, I believe that it's an important mission to help people be more genuine and more true to who they are and accept that about themselves without feeling like you're going to lose relationships or be rejected or abandoned, which is a huge fear of people pleasers. Was there, you know, a tipping point? Was there a day? Because you could have actually gone your whole life just that way people do mm -hmm. <laughs> was there something that you said okay enough I'm going to explore this or was it gradual I would say it was more gradual I I, I definitely the wake-up call with the cancer in the throat and just speaking yes. my truth more at the time my my former spouse was a pastor of a large congregation it was mm. it was about giving and serving and just having boundaries yes. having a voice uh, that that ended up, you know, progressing to where, you know, I had to make some hard choices around my marriage. And but that came after, you know, really sitting with soul, right? Sitting with mm. ourselves and and 
did a lot of writing during that time, a lot of solitude and reflection, um, which, you know, as people pleasers, I, that's one of the, the, the steps that I encourage people to do, like write or spend time with yourself, you know, develop that relationship with yourself as much as you give and pour into other people, begin that relationship with yourself, get to know yourself. That is exactly the question that I was, I was kind of exploring as you were talking too. when you said, um, you know, people were saying to you or were implying to you, you know, we don't know you. Um, I was thinking, I wonder, did you know you? Mm. No, I didn't. (laughs) That's a great question. No, I didn't. And that's why there was value. And actually when my there was a period of three years that I went to a Jesuit center in Warnersville, the Jesuit center in Warnersville. And I went one weekend a a month for three years. And that was, I had young kids, but at that time it was, I needed that space to kind of rediscover who I was and, you know, gain back some of that self-esteem or that you know, pour into myself a little bit as much as I was poured into other people. So yeah, I didn't know myself. And that is, that is the, that's the starting point. Do you have, is that your first step that you would really recommend somebody do the soul searching, the finding who they are, or does it really matter? What's the first step Mm. to trying to stop being people pleaser? Well, I would say my first step in my book was kind of the first step in my journey where it was looking at, and the first step is let that should go Mm. Um, and how much we should on ourselves. You know, you mentioned in our, when we were talking before we started recording, there's enough things that we feel guilty about. And so, you know, for me, there was lots of what I find with people, they get, they get mired in entangled in other people's expectations of what they should be doing. And so the first aha for me was like, oh, I have choice. <laughs> yes. I can say, no, thank you. I can say I would rather do this. I mean, this is really may seem elementary to some people, but when we're so used to giving up or behaving well, suffering well, shouldering everything, you know, to, to realize that we have choice. Oh, I have choice the should became I could, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. changing all the shoulds to could where we feel I should do this. No, I could do this if I wanted to. And really Love start that. to think about what choices we have and making choices that feel aligned with our soul and make feel aligned with our values and feel aligned mm. with who we want to become. You know, what kind of, you know, example do I want to be to my, to my children? And is this the person that I want to exemplify to them? And did you find in your um, role as a life coach and even in with, um, you know, women uh, experiencing, you know, needing help with careers, did you find that this was a thread? Did you see this in other people in what you were doing? Definitely, definitely. I mean, I think we, it's in men, it's in women, it's not just mm-hmm. a female thing. I think we yes. think of it more, but I, I know business owners who, you know, run companies, but yet in their personal lives, just have this nature where they, 
you know, want to make sure everybody's happy and at the expense of expense of themselves. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, I think you nailed it. It's really about having a self, you know, and, mm -hmm. and knowing ourselves and uh, honoring ourselves and respecting ourselves, the God-given self that we were created to be. And allowing people to, allowing people to, to, to know us, genuinely know us. Yeah. I think, you know, I was talking with somebody earlier today and it's even allowing people to dislike us if that's what they need to do. Yes. You know, because some, I always tell people, not everybody's cup of tea. Yes. <laughs> you know, and you kind of sometimes have to make the decision, I think, to say, hey, all right, you might not like this, or you might even not like me, as shocking as that seems. <laughs> and I have to just accept and live with that. Yeah. It's not going to kill me. Um, what about in terms of, I'm curious about your career trajectory. How did you um, end up? I know you're, are you still with Bucks County Community College? Yes. yes. And what was the journey like toward that role? Yes. Like, that did was... you also have the dream of helping people in this way? Was this a childhood? You, mm -hmm. I, let me start here. What did you want to be when you grew up, when you were younger? I always played a teacher and a mother. Right. <laughs> so they're very nurturing, encouraging, uh, teaching roles. Yeah. I played school. I played house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Which I think fit, they do, they do fit me as fit me very well. Um, so yeah, my, I was, so I was, uh, I taught high school, uh, health and oh, phys ed, nice. and then I went and did some college coaching, uh, uh, at a university level sports, uh, field hockey and basketball, and thought that was the route that I wanted to go. Uh, I've always been a coach in the sense of always empowering people to, to live to their potential. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so that's the thread. Um, yeah. And then I had children and I think I consider my four children, my most important coaching clients ever. They have taught me so much um, about life and about being a mom and, and having a self. And then I was, uh, we were going to move out of the area to the Midwest and uh, marriage kind of had a, had a hiccup and a neighbor lady who had a need who worked at the college had told me about a position work helping uh, women actually it's it's a welfare to work program helping people on the margins find employment and training so through course of interviews and getting that process uh, started there at the college so I've worked at the college on and off for over 10 years um, and at the same time then got my life coaching certification through uh, coach you and accredited through the International Coaching Federation, started my own business, always at the college part-time. I've never worked full-time there. So um, yeah, helping helping women uh, find employment and training has been one of the most rewarding things in my life, um, just because they don't always have the support and tools that I was have have had around me and have had a lot of hard life experiences. So, but also empowering them you know my I say a coach is a minister of encouragement and that's how I see my role in people's lives is to be an encouragement that's very cool I don't think I 
knew or remembered that I don't think I knew that you were a coach, like a sporty coach. <laughs> by the way, you can tell that I'm not sporty just by the way I said that probably. <laughs> yeah. And then I also went into wellness coaching after the college. I was uh, all the, a lot of these programs are grant funded. They're in the workforce development program in the non-academic side. And so they're grant funded. So they'd come in and out, you know, they would one year, we didn't have funding one year we did. So in the meantime, I did some wellness corporate coaching. Uh, then I was doing some leadership coaching in a family business center. So I'm one of those people that I think I have a common thread of coaching in my life, <laughs> uh, yes. but I, I have enjoyed the variety of roles that I've had uh, and have been blessed in having many different roles. And what, like, what brings you the most joy? I think I, I, what brings me the most joy is when I hear somebody say, I've never thought of it that way, or that's a great point, or just yeah. pouring, pouring wisdom, using my journey to convey a message that there is a different, there is a, there's a different way to live. That's and awesome. you, you can, you can experience more happiness and, and health, uh, I, I, I kind of kid sometimes and say I should be a, I should my my title should be a dance instructor because I teach people a new dance. <laughs> I teach people a new dance in life. It, it, it can be clumsy and awkward to overcome people pleasing. It can be really uncomfortable. It's, it actually can create a lot of anxiety for people. And so it's it's we step on people's toes. It's we have to sit with that anxiousness and uncomfortable feeling of disappointing somebody. And I think there's no better joy for me than walking alongside somebody making those choices and seeing their health and happiness improve as a result of that. You know, is there something that people can say, if somebody's like, I'm not sure, like, is there some way that you can tell if people pleasing is a, an issue in your life? Hmm. It's funny you say that because I've, I actually looked into having a people pleasing people pleasing quiz on my website yeah. but haven't got around to it but yeah it's a yeah there I'm sure there's tools out there that that could help you find that I know the book yeah. the pleasers book by Kevin Lehman has a has a quiz in there questionnaire yeah because I think there's of, definitely a there's definitely yeah. a continual like a spectrum yeah exactly yeah. exactly yeah. I mean it probably um you know honestly if you're putting others needs before your own for the most part that can be an impediment to living your richest, fullest, most joyful, meaningful life, I would just have to think. Well, I mean, there's always, and yes, yes, I think so. When it's, when it's at a cost, when there's a, you know, there's a huge cost to, you know, I always say, I believe the lie that my relationships would be better if I people pleased. And that's yeah. not true. I think my, my relationships have gotten so much deeper I've grown in intimacy with people because I have been vulnerable about my stuff, which often yes. people pleasers are the fixers, they're the helpers, they're the saviors. Mm. And nobody really gets to know us. I like Michael Kelly says, intimacy is into me see. So mm. allowing people to experience, you know, giving an opinion or talking about our dreams and our fears and going deeper with people, allowing them to see us because, you know, it's often for people pleasers, it's about, about the other. And when we yeah. allow 
it allows people to feel close to us when we share uh, our personal personal stories. My my new favorite line is when somebody shares something with me that feels vulnerable. I say, "I feel close to you." Yeah, I feel close to you when you shared that, and reminding myself that when I share something, when I share something of my story, it allows other people to feel close to me. So yeah. I really love that. I mean, that's one of the reasons I do the podcast uh, is really so that we can see each other. And I think sometimes, you know, we can be a mirror for one another. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, um, you know, we're different too. Our stories are different. And I think we learn lessons that we can kind of share and connect and actually, I haven't read your book yet because I to- told you before we started that I'm going to take it, take your book away with me on my vacation. But I did just open it and look at the um, C.S. Lewis quote <laughs> that you include. Friendship born at the moment when one person says to another, what, you two? I thought I was the only one. And I just, I think when I saw that, I went, I knew there was a reason I was doing this podcast Mm. but I didn't know it until I read that and I think that's so important that you included that and I love that you did we can't really see each other until we're vulnerable exactly you know and quite frankly I think life is a little boring when we're not seeing one another Mm -hmm. on a more profound way yeah it takes courage it takes a lot of courage to to be seen, right? And to, yes. to be seen and to be heard. Um, but the payoff, the payoff is, is I'm experiencing in my life and have seen in other people's lives, the payoff is a more meaningful life, more meaningful life for sure. Yeah. And, and I just want to go back to what you said about, about certain, you know, other people and, and other people's needs before. And I mean, there's, I just want to make it clear there's necessary yeah. sacrifice we do in relationships. And I'm never not saying that we don't <laughs> No, of course, nash, yeah. nash, yes. you know, we, and, and my level of people pleasing may, may not be an issue for somebody else. And so there's, it's really a personal yeah. thing as well, yeah. how much I we want to give. Yes. And, yeah. I truly think that everybody can benefit from understanding how people pleasing can be detrimental to our lives and what steps we can take to to escape it to a bit Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. even if you're low on the continuum I guarantee there's a moment there there are things in your life that could be richer fuller more enjoyable if you could escape that little trap that people pleasing is how many days do you talk to somebody that says oh my gosh I dread tomorrow because I'm doing blah blah and blah blah and everything right. you're doing, they don't have to do right. often, you know? So I think it's, yeah. I think it's also just recognizing, like you said, like not every, not everybody's going to like us. I don't like everybody. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so why would everybody like me? And, and it's, we have to, I tell my kids all the time, like disappointment's a part of life. Yeah. People aren't, we have a belief that somehow people are fragile and that, you know, if we say no, they're going to, you know, even with our children, it's like, you know, some of the, I used to say some of our most hardest hurts are our most important hurts. 
So when we deny somebody a disappointment, it could be the thing that catalysts them into. I love that. And actually, I mean, I think there is not probably a mother around that couldn't benefit from lessons on people pleasing because let's face it, that is the walking that line as a parent is such a challenge Mm -hmm. because, you know, a lot of stress goes into making somebody happy. Mm -hmm. It's a little codependent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We we feel uncomfortable when the kid, our child is storming around the house and slamming doors because we said no to them. And it's like that it's it, like I said, it takes we have to find tools to deal with that uncomfortableness, that anxiety that comes up when somebody is unhappy with us and not be affected by that. That's a really hard thing to do. I have a question that's just random because I like to ask random questions when I'm doing this. Um, Is there a book for you? And it doesn't have to be a people-pleasing book. It could be a fiction book or it could be something you read as a child um, that you feel is an important book or was important or is important in your journey for some reason? Well, I was just at the County theater and saw, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. And that's what cups popped into my head. (laughs) I'm like, when I sat down and watched that movie with my daughter, my 20 year old daughter, she's like, mom, what's (laughs) Yes. I do believe that book started me on this journey of writing and I, I mean, and, and that was, and you know, that, that quote that you read that we know that we're not alone. I mean, we, we need to find support in our lives where we feel less alone. I love that so much. And you are right. I remember when that book came out and when I was growing up, they were like, oh my gosh, this is scandalous, which Yes, they would probably do that today these days. But when I was younger, they were just shocked by it. And I do remember with my girlfriends, we were like, did you read it yet? Did you read it? (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing that I loved about it, Judy Bloom, the author, it was funny and fun and refreshing. And there was a candor to it that isn't always available in life so I think that that's really interesting that yeah so I just I think her 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 questioning you know dear you know that curiosity yes so any book that creates curiosity and we want to learn more we want to you know you you saying oh girlfriends did you read this I mean that that is where we connect and that's that's the the key yeah yeah I I really I, I love that I love that. Hey, that's why you're on Soulful Connections. (laughs) Um, So what for you, Trina, is a perfect day? What does a perfect day look like or a great day? Hmm. A perfect day would be waking up and having a slow morning, doing some kind of movement. I love yoga. I love to walk love to ride bike. So something, something moving coffee, of course, I think if I, a perfect day professionally would just be having a couple people to connect with coaching, uh, empowering, encouraging. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, I was just on vacation in San Diego with my son, you know, my kids are getting older, spending some time with my, 
almost adult children. Well, they are adults, young adult children. Um, yes. and that would be a perfect day for me, including them in some aspect, which I usually get to do at some point in the day. So love to love be that. by water. I'm, gen you know, I love the areas around here in Doylestown, the reservoir and Peace Valley would include some kind of water as well. The perfect day. Yeah. yeah. A coffee shop or two. <laughs> Let me go I am right there with you. <laughs> Love a good coffee shop wherever I am. Um, if you were to give one piece of advice to somebody who is caught up in that whirlpool of trying to make everybody else happy and maybe feeling a little stuck in that place, um, what would be a just a piece of advice that you could share for that person. I'm borrowing this from Brene Brown. If you're familiar with Brene Brown, mm -hmm. she has a three sentence word that I think of often and helps me to reframe. And that is clear is kind. Mm -hmm. Clear is kind. When we are kind, when we were clear about what we need and want and feel that's actually a kind thing to give to somebody. Interesting. Very good point. Very good point. Because, you know, I, I'm thinking of the times where I don't want to tell one of my kids what I need to tell them. And I will be ambiguous right. and they will kind of go, what, well, what's the answer? Mm. <laughs> because I don't want to say the answer, you know, because mm -hmm. the answer is like, no. Right. <laughs> or whatever it is, right. you know, that's really interesting. And then what is something that you've learned from your journey thus far? Just a life lesson that you could say this, this I've learned. It's not my final lesson. It's not my only lesson, but this is definitely a, an important lesson that I've learned from my story. Hmm. So many. <laughs> yes. That, you know, this is probably not nothing new under the sun, but like, I need to be happy with me. Mm. No thing is going to make me happy. There's things that make me happier, but really working on as we talked earlier in this conversation, just knowing ourselves, what, mm -hmm. what do we enjoy? What do we like? What are our preferences and our, yeah. That is wonderful. And I'll tell you, it resonates with me. I, it just made me remember, you know, I grew up and I went through 12 years of Catholic school and some of that was fabulous for me because I was able to kind of tap into higher sources and ways of thinking and the magic and the mystery of life. And, but part of it with, with the way I was raised in Catholicism was, you know, really you needed to be suffering <laughs> mm. and everything was about your, this is your cross to bear. And it was a lot about suffering so much so that sometimes when I was really joyful, I was like looking over my shoulder and I do remember one of my children had a significant health crisis. And when I was in the hospital, I remember like, you know, Oprah Winfrey calls it an aha moment, but it was like a light bulb where I thought, 
joy is our birthright. We are, we're allowed and we're actually, it's part of our destiny to be joyful. It's okay. Mm. It's a gift Mm. and it shouldn't have been so surprising, but it felt like a surprise. Like, oh, I'm not only allowed to be joyful, I'm supposed to find joy. Mm. Not that you have to be joyful every minute, but it's interesting. And so when you say find what makes me happy, Mm. I think that's really important. I really do. And that was part of, I had four children and when the youngest, I started to like, no, I, I didn't always, generally as a, as a young mom, I would always, okay, you want to, we want to do this. Okay. Let's go do this, go to the park or whatever. By the time I got to the fourth one, I was like, no, I like art and I want to include you in what I want. So true. Just, just a, a little shift, you know, and I always think that, you know, God gave us this, I've come to give you life and have it abundantly and to enjoy life. And I, I changed recently enjoy to being in joy. Like what oh, are I you love it. doing when you're enjoying yourself? You truly are in joy. And, you know, joy is our birthright. And we, we, you know, how can we experience things? I was with my son, as I said, in San Diego and enjoying the things that he also enjoyed. And, but also, yeah, what, and he, there was enough things that he knew about me that we enjoyed together that I liked, you know, so it's that yes. give and take in our relationships and, you know, saying to our kids, you know, that doesn't, you know, we talked about earlier about that doesn't work for me, you know, clear is kind, like, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. I love, I'm going to take that in joy, being in joy mm. and finding our joy. Um, well, I appreciate you spending time with me coming on the show. Yes. I appreciate what you put out into the world. I can't wait to take my book on mm. vacation and um, I'll give you a full report when I get back. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, ha- we'll have coffee. We'll go yes. to one of your coffee shops. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Trina. Thank you, Amanda. This was an honor and a privilege to be introduced to your community. And I look forward to more opportunities to connect with them. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, consider giving it a great rating and following all the things you do when you like a podcast. Thank you to William Aronson for writing, producing, recording the Soulful Connections theme song. And once again, Thank you for listening. I hope you keep tuning in.